Diesel trucks should be nearly eliminated in California under a proposed new law. How the wheat tax shortfall taught California Democrats the logic of the Laffer curve. And solving California's housing crisis demands action. That's what's coming up in this week's episode of California Streaming. This is the California Streaming Podcast with your hosts, Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're three conservative California natives putting ridiculous state and local politics on blast. So hop on our magic bullet train to nowhere and let's talk some California politics. It's a gorgeous Friday. It is, and there's college basketball going on right now. Yes, madness. Watching it, you have you guys have a better vantage point than I do. I have to turn my I neck do, all the way around. And I don't feel bad about that. I have no all. vantage point. <laughs> it's, it's all for John's pleasure. Yeah, exactly. John does love me. his pleasure. Fine with me. Well, the way the windows are designed here, in about 20 minutes, you'll have the sun in your face. It's okay. So, I've got college basketball, so I'm good. <laughs> Um, we got some big news in the Fed. It's, it's true. And you know what? Actually, we're going to let's throw the one out that has to do with what I originally thought, you know, because nobody's been talking about the Mueller investigation at all for the past. Well, that's right. But that's why I want to talk about something a little different. Okay. I want to talk about creepy Uncle Joe, Joe Biden. There's plenty to talk about. Be more specific. So everyone has seen the pics, everyone has seen the memes. Creepy Uncle Joe gets called creepy. Because creepy Uncle Joe likes to uh, get close and personal with the ladies, correct? Right. right. And so today... Oh, just the ladies? Well, okay. Okay. Should we go there? Oh, keep going. Keep going. Today, there's some article in Vox, was it, that some uh, governor or governor candidate or someone in Nevada in politics... Democrat Lucy Flores. Thank you. She has basically come out and said, you know... in, in in 2014, he kind of did something that was uncomfortable. I'm now finding my voice to talk about it. And Bobby, I'm looking at you for this one because mm-hmm. it originally dovetailed to me yes. as being part of the classic Democratic mob. But, sure. But you kind of have, right. have a little bit of a different spin on this. I do one. have a little bit of a different spin. This, we all know, and we've talked to this, about this before, the establishment wants to get rid of these young people new and upcoming Democrats who will not play ball, so they're pushing against them. So let's give some names. The the, the current establishment Democrats being people like... Like Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, uh, Elizabeth Warren, those kind of people. Okay, the classics. The classics. They've been there for a while. They know how the game is played. uh, Pelosi. Exactly. They've played played the game. Okay. The youngins being... Being the AOCs... uh, Probably Kamala Harris to Beto. an extent. Beto. Oh, Beto. Beto. Bernie Sanders, even though he's been there forever, he doesn't you know, play the game either. He's just kind of been there. Right. But so the idea is you got to push against them and bring either bring them back into the fold and have them play the game or they're out. And you, you see that quite often. You know, AOCs are being hung out to dry, even though they support her, don't support her. So really, they're kind of pushing back. And the youngins, they're pushing back, and they're going to start releasing a couple of what was once hidden facts. They were okay with not talking about it because they thought everyone was kind of playing the same progressive game. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to do it. Now they're talking about, you know, Bernie. They're talking about Biden. They're talking about a whole bunch of different issues. Mm. They're they're not going to lay down and die, and just let it let them have their day. 
And what's interesting is the other thing we were talking about, the Mueller uh, investigation, right. the releasing the results, where I think you said it, Bobby, or we, we've, been, we've been chatting about it offline, in that this kind of resets the game, right? Because that narrative got taken away from all the 2020 candidates. So you got to wonder if, like Bobby was saying, if this Biden story is now the new just warfare. There is blood in the water. Yeah. And they're going for it. Yeah. Because they keep pushing the stupid molar thing. Like, release the documents, release the documents. It, it's dead. And they everybody knows it. But yet the establishment keeps wanting the full report as though it's going to save them in some way. And all the kids out there who say, this is a dumb game plan. You got to come up with something else. You know what? Time to kill the old guard and bring in the new guard. So now you're getting these stories and you're getting, um, you're getting it from media that is not traditional media. The right. You're getting it from VOX Vox. You're getting it from Slate. You're getting it from yeah. BuzzFeed. Yeah. You're getting all these stories. All of a sudden, they don't play the game just like the NBCs and the CNNs play the game. They're, it's, it's blood in the water. Well, and for I think for the most part... The BuzzFeeds, Voxes, Salons, all that. Yeah. That's your younger people, oh, liberal time. news sources, right? I, I don't think your AOC fan is watching CNN. Oh, no. They're right? watching the young They're, they're on probably yeah. the internet more than they're on television. To, to AOC's fans, I think CNN is the man. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Yeah, so I, you see this interesting division in the Democrat Party because— and, this is kind of how I've seen it. Most Republicans before Trump were pretty establishment. They were all the same. They yeah, were all pretty cookie cutter. Pretty cookie cutter, and they're boring. And totally, and, you know, they weren't engaging with young people. They opened the same playbook after they dusted it off. And exactly. And you look at the the Democrats, and they've got this giant kind of spance now between you know it used to just be Bernie Sanders and everyone else. But now you're seeing there's a lot more of this social policy kind of yeah, that's true socialism slash communism type deal to it because yeah. historically there wasn't a giant leap between the establishment Republican and the establishment Democrat. Well, it was exactly. just about shades power. of gray. Here, here's, right. here's the here's the difference between the old guard and the new in flaunting communism and socialism. They're both losers when brought up against polling. It's just a losing ticket. Nobody wants to support this. Well, some people do because they're stupid. But overall, you'll find like 90% of the public don't want straight up communism, socialism, because they know what it leads to. They're yeah. not complete fools. Yeah. Well, look at Venezuela. I mean... Oh, are things going badly there? <laughs> they've even had power in like a week. You oh. know, I, well, if you haven't been paying attention, I, South Africa is doing the same exact thing. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on. All I, I just get my news from Bernie's Twitter feed. So, yeah. Is there problems? I'm afraid not. No. Okay. It's all good. It's all In fact, good. we're going to send you there. Oh, are you? <laughs> the okay. show is going to send it, you on an all they're, they're getting a huge shipment of food pretty soon. I've heard the weather is quite lovely. Yeah, they get food and then they just set it on fire. Oh, okay. It's pretty cool. So I should I should bring some. Bring some to throw on the fire. <laughs> Helps keep you warm with the electricity out. Cool. Throw your tomatoes at the politicians. I'm going to do that. Yeah, we can't give it. We can't give the politicians a 
It's just craziness. It's I can't stand it anymore. And we bring it up. It's you know it's going to be great. The the this report, things like we're seeing from Vox today with creepy Uncle Joe, these debates. We I know we say it a lot, but it's true. These things are going to be pure gold. And I think the first one's in June. Yeah, it's early. Early. And and I and I think they're even saying they're going to have to span it over a couple of days because there's so many candidates. There's so many people now on the field. You think this brings out more? I mean, or do you think the fact that there's no Mueller report? I mean, there's no collusion. Mm. Do you think that that would uh, prevent fringe uh, potential candidates from entering the race? Um, I don't know, but I, I'm trying to think of anybody who would even, dude. If you if you even just pictured. Uh, a general election debate between like AOC and Trump. Oh, right. I mean, you start looking at things like that. And I would like, buy man, a ticket to see that one. I dude, would. I, I don't know who can compete with him, rhetoric or not. The guy can debate. <laughs> you know, uh, I I wouldn't want to square off against him. I'm just know? picturing so many moments from the three presidential debates are just flooding through my mind right now. Yeah, it was it, great. It was unbelievably ugly. But it goes back to that's why we have a dozen Democrats running, right? You know, well, it's it, to it spread show, the field. It shows you how uh, how fractured I think their the party is. They're all vying for the top region, mm-hmm. which is back to my mafia bit. Yeah, you know, they're all regions and they're all vying for leadership of their of their region. I think what you see though, like we talked about, uh, you were saying the younger generation releasing dirt on Biden or whatever. I think. You get a lot of the same, a lot of the same apathy that you have with Trump, right? Like if you came out and said Trump had an affair, that doesn't really move the polls Agreed. because the people who support him already will still support him. The, the people that don't support him will continue not to support him. And it's the same with Biden. Yeah. You know what you're going to get with the guy. This isn't it's new. baked in. Yeah, I, totally. We, he's got his memes and his monikers. Like everyone <laughs> knows, he's so just true. kind of creepy Joe. So you know? true. So. Asking women to sit on his lap at campaign <laughs> stops. I mean, yeah, I, you already know what you're getting. On I'm on. over here reading an article from Slate and says, oh, what boy. happened to Rachel Maddow? Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with her Fell apart. conspiracy brain? Uh, it's total derangement syndrome. Oh, I just... Trump, well, they, they, they call it Trump derangement syndrome. She was crying when they read the report, the, the letter. Oh, I know. Oh, she became an instant meme. Oh, that's so sad. First story? You bet. <laughs> Okay, this one comes out of the San Francisco Chronicle. The headline, diesel trucks would be nearly eliminated in California under proposed law. Get out of town. This sounds like a total winner, guys. We would have been dead. They're going to save us by, by right. eliminating diesel. That's the issue. Okay. So SB 44, Senator Nancy or State Senator Nancy Skinner, a Dem... Out of Berkeley. Now, I know that's mm. going to be surprising that that's who Rare. floated Spotted this. Spotted in the yes. wild. And they're, they're known for having a, a diesel truck plant in Berkeley. <laughs> yeah. So this would direct the California Air Resource Board to require a 40% reduction in diesel emissions by 2030. We got 11 years, 10 plus. 80% reduction by 2050. And uh, it's basically cuts that experts say would not be possible without a major overhaul of the trucking industry. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get to this here in a little bit. I, I actually um, I have a grandfather who 
started a trucking business. Louie, I know you have some family yeah, involvement in the trucking business. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to even removing all that bias as, as much as I can. Um, the issues with this just get ridiculous. Let me, let me read a couple more uh, statistics from this. Heavy and medium duty buses and trucks make up about 7% of, of vehicles on our roads. And it's true that they make up about 20% of carbon emissions uh, that go into the atmosphere. That's This is coming from the Union of Concerned Scientists. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. There's an organization I, I, I for even, everything. I, I mean, I, and I underlined that one in my notes because the classicness of that name alone. Yeah. I mean, they're not just scientists. They're concerned. They're concerned. I don't just scientists. object. I strenuously object. <laughs> A few good men. Yeah. Okay. So then there's another stat that I pulled from the, uh, from the World Economic Forum. Again, you know, probably somewhere around these numbers are the truth. So let's just, in, let's just say in general. Um, 57% um, of quote-unquote greenhouse gas emissions uh, come from road freight, right? And then it goes down from there, about 17% from ocean, 9% from air, this is the one that's interesting to me. I'm a, I'm a train fan. 6% comes from rail. Rail looks dirty, but actually when you look about how much it's hauling and its efficiencies, rail is actually oh, I, I believe in, that incredibly efficient, incredibly quote-unquote green. So 57% from trucks. Okay, I got it. The, the, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, in terms of carbon emissions, trucks on California roads are a big one. Um, but as there's a quote in the article from Earl... A heavy equipment hauler, tr- quote trucks move. What a classic name! I know for exactly. A heavy That's why I put operator. that in here too. Earl, I mean it. Classic. Trucks move this world. That's nonsense to me. Uh, Nancy Skinner says, "quote We've got rising rates of asthma, which is caused by smog and particulate matter, which primarily comes from diesel." There is like so many uh, jumps there that this relates to this, so this must right. relate to this. Let me read that again. We've got rising rates of asthma which is caused by smog and particulate matter, which primarily comes from diesel. So, okay. as we've talked about what Libs say before, if you have asthma, it's the diesel truck, so vote for this bill. Right. I mean, that's... Right. Um, one last stat, and then kind of uh, get your guys' thoughts. So, so Skinner's... Uh, excuse me. Jim Buell, a general manager of the North Bay Truck Center, and this is a critical point, I think. He compared it with gas engines and says diesel engines are much more powerful and they last longer. Yes. They can last about 800,000 miles uh-huh. and generally get about 30% better fuel economy. And I remember back to my yes. engineering classes in school, and you'd run kind of efficiency numbers mm-hmm. on vehicles. Sponsored people, by Volkswagen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But in general, I don't think people realize there is a much greater efficiency and longevity to the life of a diesel engine. This brings up... Boy, so many issues of, okay, let's say California does this. What do you do at the border of the states? You got a truck coming. I mean, we got the port of Long Beach, right? Right. Where trucks are leaving all the time from cargo coming in from China to ship it somewhere else in the nation. Again, we, we, don't, we don't think about the secondary effects, right? Yeah. We see this with fuel. When fuel goes up, it costs more to transport food. Food goes up, and it becomes a chain reaction. There isn't anything as, you know, all these power, we, whether we're talking about solar power, all these things, yeah. there's nothing just that efficient yet. That's the, the critical torque and efficiency you get out of a diesel motor. Uh, I don't, what are we going to replace it with? Like, we don't ever come up with that part so, of it. So, 
Tesla. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. So this is the this is the devil's advocate, right? Okay. To what you're saying, but mm-hmm. uh, but but go there, Bobby. So yeah. Tesla last year came out with their version of a semi truck, which is all electric. They're touting that it will have a 500 mile range. That's it. That's it. Uh, however, Tesla has been talking about their industry leading cost of operation of a dollar twenty six per mile. Of course, that will fluctuate a penny or two, depending on the power. But we simply don't have the infrastructure to support these trucks. Those trucks take five of the supercharger plugs to... See, wow. This is... keep. I'm sorry, Bobby, yeah. but, but this, is, this is the critical point. Keep going, yeah. Takes five whole one of those little suckers to uh, power up these big semi-trucks. So when you see, the, like, across the street from me here, we've yeah. got a Tesla power station. Uh-huh. It, it was would, probably what six, seven, yeah. eight, something like that. It would take six of those plugs. Five of them. Five. I'm sorry. Yeah. Five of them. Oh, because it makes right. a difference, you know. Uh, let's get our facts straight here, right. Louis. But then, and then, how are you paying for the electricity coming off the grid? And how did that electricity get generated? Right. Yeah, that's See, what I meant. In but now, if we're going to be powering big trucks, yes. we're going to need big amounts of energy. See. This Solar is panels. The, th- th- this is the critical Put them point. Put on the trucks as they roll, right? Yeah. <laughs> and there is an a, there is additional and there is greater particulate um, particulates being uh, sent into the air, um, greenhouse gas emissions from trucks. But that's also because the amount of work that they're doing and what they're hauling and what they're taking around is much more than. A car. It's much more right. than your little whatever you go kind of car. And what people don't, this deserves a complete net net analysis as to where you actually, the, the amount of power required to power the diesel engine. And thus, you have to swap that out with an equivalent amount of power that gets generated how. And I understand all the solar power, and we're going to mandate that this state go solar. The more of these sorts of things that you begin to tack onto that, onto the back of solar panels out in the desert somewhere, now you're tacking all diesel cars, engines, whatever in the state, homes. You're going to have to have panels that are so it, it just well, breaks down very quickly. It's, it's the you have the different performance too, just in weather. Right, they're finding out. Uh, who was it? They just did a study on the electric vehicles performing much differently, say, in a mild climate like California, than they do back east, where it's sub-zero temperatures. Uh, anyone who knows, you know, just even on a cold morning, when we start getting into cold mornings here, your car cranks a little slower sitting outside. The battery right. drains a little more. That's it's right. harder on it, and they're finding that the fuel economy for these cars is severely reduced oh, yeah, in cold good, weather. Good the battery doesn't last as long in the electric vehicles. And that when you run the air conditioning, you further decrease it all. So, yeah, these trucks might get their 500 miles to a charge in California. <laughs> That's the thing is, notice how all of these people live in areas that are along the coastline oh, yeah. of California where cold isn't That's really also an where issue. the liberals are. Interestingly Classic. enough, Classic. Um, Daimler truck CEO Martin Dom, sure, sure. he commented when they introduced the Tesla Semi, they're fun. It's an interesting market, 
We take every competitor seriously. Tesla has proven that they really have the tenacity to really go through huge losses to capture the market. But trucking is a difficult business. They will learn the hard way. Trucking is not like passenger cars where one size fits all. There's a lot of variety in trucking. The United States is a highly competitive market. So, as I said, they're fun. Fun to drive, fun to look at. But the reality is going to have to set in. These trucks are not even going to start rolling off the factory until 2020 at the earliest. And we're talking like late 2020. Well, what because is the they've cost of one pushed. of these trucks? But, but, but that that's exactly. Still under wraps, actually. But, but so that's... What's a, that? Still under wraps. Mm. That's such a critical part, though, right? Our goods that are shipped to centers that we then... They then get shipped from there to local stores that we go purchase our goods from in the state and around the nation. You're going to be forcing... For, using government's force and coercion to replace all of those trucks... They're not going to bear that cost. Not just that, but you know, you realize a lot of trucks aren't even owned by a company. They're owner operators. Oh, cr- oh, great! The point. truck driver actually owns the truck. It's a great and point. And he contracts to a, or you know, uh, gets contracted by a trucking company. Uh, that owner operator is not going to spend three hundred thousand dollars on a Tesla truck. But this lady, well, if their cars are any indication of well, pricing, it, uh, again, they're touting the cost the operating cost as being the most beneficial of it. Well, that's great, but where do I find the down to get the the drug? You know, California did, uh, my family has a substantial trucking company, so I am biased and I get it. Um, I get both sides of it, but California enacted some legislation a few years ago, and we've talked about this on the show, the side skirts on the bottoms of the trailers. Big time. So if you see trailers now being towed by, uh, people call them semis, but they're tractors, towed by tractors, you'll see they've got these side skirts now under them. Uh, It's not to block you from driving under the trailer like Fast and the Furious style. It is to give better fuel efficiency. And they do. They give better fuel efficiency over 65 miles an hour. But in California, trucks are limited to 55 miles an hour. So that's like a great example of California meaning well but not really thinking through the math. And it costs millions of dollars to outfit a fleet of trailers with these stupid skirts. And I get to your point, I get the intention of removing, trying to remove this much particulate matter in the air by banning diesel. I, I, I get the intent of the end and, and that end goal, but the ripple effect back up the line to the owner operators, to the, if, uh, I don't have the report in front of me, but I've read reports before where if you just look at the average gas station, forget diesel trucks and a truck stop, just look at a gas station where cars fill up and the average amount of fuel that flows out of those pumps, and you look at that from an energy perspective, right? How much? Because there's energy right. contained in each gallon of fuel, just like there's energy and electricity, right? And if you were to do a swap of one station, and the energy that's created by that fuel, and now you're in the utopia world, we all have electric cars. Okay, great. All of that energy now has to get created for that day from that one station by panels or plants somewhere. Right now, what we're really having is a, a tiff between the Trump administration and California. Yes. This is one of those battles. Yes. The California Air Resources Board. Yes. 
Another board. AQMD. <laughs> they they have been have had the ability to, you know, force all other car manufacturers to follow uh, their yes. standards. Of course. And it's not until Trump came along and said, Why do you get to pick and choose what the emission standards are gonna be? For the nation. For the nation. Yeah, right. And this is California. Right. It, they're just too stringent, and a lot of car manufacturers are cheating like VW. They had to cheat in order to meet the standards. Well, and you look at, uh, like BMW has this auto start-stop function on their gas motors, where when the conditions are right, like 80% of the time you come to a light and you stop and the car goes off. You take your foot off the brake and you push the gas and the light turns green and it turns back on. It gives them like uh, emissions points for being good and green, but on actual paper, it doesn't do anything. And right. and then there's research right. to suggest that you're burning through starters, right. you know, because you're starting and stopping the car a thousand times. Secondary and tertiary ramifications. Right, right, right. But it buys them a few make-believe emissions points with air quality management. And I think about, too, other things that require diesel, like most farm equipment, like you've got red diesel, the non-tax diesel. Um, you've got emergency vehicles run off diesel. Yep. You know, fire trucks are diesel. So that brings up a great point. There's another there's another uh, kind of stat that I extracted from this article. So Skinner's bill follows a ruling in December by the California Air Resource Board requiring all transit agencies probably fire doesn't fall under that or but but you get where they're going here when this with this stat about all right. all vehicles under the California jurisdiction uh, from a state perspective. All transit agencies to make their fleets entirely emission-free within two decades. The rules prohibit the purchase of any new gas or diesel-powered public transit buses by 2029 and require all buses to be emission-free by 2040. So does CNG and all that fall in there, too? Yeah. Because a lot of buses now are natural gas or propane. That's that's going to help. Yeah, they're they're carbon neutral as they get... (laughs) Carbon neutral, but this is—is is that like gender neutral? Oh my goodness! For uh, for hydrocarbons, I learned a new word today. It's called Latinx. Yeah. Oh no, oh, no. you yep. just learned. Word. I just learned, learned that you... today. Yeah. <laughs> you're the hey. you're the one Latino yeah. around this table, and you just heard of that, Louie and I. Because it was <laughs> so stupid. No other Latino I know exactly. would use that. Because it's not really a Latino it's term. Word. But it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, I, the emission stuff. It's funny to me. We pay a premium for it in California, right? It's no no uh, no secret that when you buy a car in California, you spend more because they have to put the emissions package in it. Absolutely. Um, when and I I grew up in L.A. L.A. in the '90s was smoggy. I mean, we had smog days, and it has gotten cleaned up. But I wonder if that's just a natural result of cars being cleaner, um, not necessarily because of California's stringent policies on getting rid of trucks but that it's just vehicles have gotten more efficient in general. If we could go down that road for a second, you know, I'm a big fan of Milton Friedman. And actually this question in in a kind of a general way got posed to him. He was on the, there's been some famous clips from his time on the Donahue show in the late seventies. But this is one clip where Donahue was talking to him about this idea of pollution and emissions, and does the government have a role? And it's kind of a devil's advocate point, and I'm curious, because we've talked about it a little bit before, but I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on what Friedman says. Okay. So here he is. 
Is there a case for the government to do something yes, about it? Yes, there is a case for the government to do something about it, because there's always a case for the government, to some extent, when what two people do affects a third party. There's no case for the government whatsoever in mandating airbags, because airbags protect the people inside the car. That's my business. If I want to protect myself, I should do it at my expense. But there is a... But there is a case for the government protecting third parties, protecting people who have not voluntarily agreed to enter. So there's more of a case, for example, for uh, emission control than there is for airbags. Mm -hmm. But the question is, what's the best way to do it? And the best way to do it is not to have bureaucrats in Washington write rules and regulations saying that a car has to carry this, that, or the other. The best way to do it is to impose a tax on the amount of pollu pollutants emitted by a car and make it in the self-interest of, of the car manufacturers and of the consumers to keep down the amount of pollution in that way. But how would you put a monetary value on particulate matter which is emitted from the end of an exhaust pipe? You do it now. What do you mean, how do you do it? You now require people to spend something like $500 per car for the purpose, supposedly, of reducing particulate matter, which means for the purpose of giving them an incentive to disconnect the, <laughs> the equipment that's supposed to reduce pollution. Yeah. It, it's an interesting argument, right? Because I, I think a lot of people think, oh, Milton Friedman, capitalism, libertarianism, free markets, anyone do whatever they want. And it's, we've talked about this before, right, of, of using the tax as, a, as, a, as an attempt and a pure mechanism, okay, to try and regulate it without laws, without bills, without, we're just going to put a tax on it and the market will figure it out. I think one thing where he didn't go that we've talked about before, what do you do with the money that's collected right. from the tax? And I think that's where California takes ugly turns. I, I, I think when it comes to a certain taxes, especially when they're unavoidable, like, like we, all, we all need to drive a car. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, I, just, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Like, so when you have a registration tax, yep. you're not really solving a problem taxing even more higher amounts. I got it because it's base level everyone. Everyone needs yeah, yeah. to drive a car. And so if you say, like, let's charge the thousand percent, you know, on registering your car, I just got to eat that up and say, okay, I got to pay that tax because I got to get to work in order to pay the tax. And you're there's saying, nothing I can avoid it. And you're making Bus the argument work that's different yeah. than this sort of tax. Because yeah. there's, there would be a way to avoid this tax, right? If you sure. could go find a car that's, and someone made a car that was incredibly efficient, mm -hmm. you pay a lot less tax. Well, you're basically cap and trading cars. Agreed. And, and, and that's why I, over time I've come to the personal belief. I don't necessarily think cap and trade is bad. It's what are you going to do with the revenues generated? Okay. Because I think the mechanism of cap and trade provides great free market incentives. Okay, you want to be a big polluter, and that technically affects others, like you said, smog days in L.A. I get it. You want to be a big polluter, you pay more tax. You want to be less of a polluter, you pay less tax. Great. That tax money went where? Right, and then you get stuck with like your free... Uh your freeway bills and things like that. Exactly. You know, uh, right. Your gas tax. Uh, exactly. And it and went to the bullet train. Right. <laughs> All this money. Exactly. That's registration the is through the roof right now. Vehicle registration problem. costs. Right. And then you still want to come back and get more tax money because the roads still aren't being fixed. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for the, let me play the clip. It's, it's an interesting one. Um, we talked about it before and it dovetails into this, but I guess everyone, when you're driving on the roads and you see a semi, just really enjoy it because 10, 20 years from now, yeah, they're gone. They'll be floating. Yeah, they're like gone. Like the Jetsons. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's going to be great, guys. Oh, hey, bullet train news. Uh, yeah, what is it? Uh, they sold $600 million worth of bonds for the bullet train just today. Today? Today. What's backing because those bonds? they're going to start talking about the future of the bullet train in the next session, and they may cut all funding, so they oh went ahead my. and sold the bonds anyway. Who bu- kind of oh sneakily went in there and said, here you go. What? We, we need the money. On that note, I got it. We got to switch. That's a joke. Thank you. Okay. Headline, how the weed tax shortfall taught California Democrats the logic of the Laffer curve. So this is a kind of an op-ed from the Federalist, and it brings up um, kind of a nuanced point of taxation that I I think is pretty critical. I'm not sure how many listen out, listeners out there are familiar with it, but I think this right. particular case... Are you going to explain the uh, Laffer curve I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try. the public here? I'm going to try. Um, even though it's audio only, and it'd be easier with a chart, but we're going to do our best. With a curve. So let me give you a little background on this, um, what this particular article is about, and then we'll dive in a little bit more to how the Laffer curve applies. So um, California legalized recreational marijuana beginning in 2018. Um, state county municipal taxes were encouraged as the state Dems looked to balance the budget on the tokes of stoners. And Bazinga? I don't know. Is that, that, that That's from the article. Okay. It is kind of a... Little drum roll. Um, However, less than half of the 185 million they had predicted in 2018 was realized. Get out of town. (laughs) Uh, The article goes on to say that the reaction, amazingly, was not to raise taxes even more, nor to crack down on the tax cheats, which were usual um, responses on the left to the revenue disappointments. I'm continuing to quote the article. No, the shortfall in weed tax finally succeeded where generations of conservative intellectuals had failed. California Democrats at least understand the Laffer curve. So let me break down some of the taxes that were experienced, and then we'll talk about the Laffer curve. You had the 15% sales tax. You had the product tax of $9.25 per ounce of marijuana flowers. You had the $2.75 per ounce of leaves, which is paid by the farmers. You also had local taxes varying across municipalities that could run as high as 8.5%. You had the $1,000 license fee for anyone looking to go into the business. You had an ordinary sales tax of 6%, and that also applied. So um, it's it was noted that about 41%, or as high as 41%, was the likely taxes on what was being sold. So an eighth ounce of cannabis flowers... Uh, was about $58 instead of $35. And essentially what they're finding out is, big shock with this many taxes, it's still cheaper on the black market. Right. So people just go to the, the black market. The right. drug dealer they know. <laughs> There's um. So this is how I understand the Laffer curve, and maybe you can oh, no, clear it up. This yeah. is kind of, I've tried to break it down to simple, simple terms. Here we go. A scale of zero to 100% on how much you're taxed. If you were to tax somebody 100%, they just wouldn't work because there would be no point to working because 100% would go to taxes, right? And thus you collect no taxes because right. they, so don't, collect no taxes. they don't do that thing. Right. And so then you work under the table. 
at 0% tax rate, the government still gets 0% tax. Right. You, you probably have a lot of commerce going on, but they collect nothing, right. so they're back at zero. Right. So if you look at both ends of this spectrum, 0% and 100%, the government gets no tax. Right. So somewhere in the middle, there's a sweet spot to where the optimum amount of people contribute, and the government gets the optimum amount of tax. And if you start wondering, what's disputed is where that middle is. That's exactly right. That's, That's the most, dis- but what's the most debated part of the curve. It's yeah. not 50-50. But almost by math, what's not disputed is there is a maximum. Right. Right? Because it's zero and zero on each end. Right. So somewhere in between that is a maximum point. Right. Where you are collecting the maximum amount of taxes. And that ain't at 99%, I'm going to be willing to bet. Right. 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 So that's where it becomes a, a curve model because it ramps up and somewhere in there is our sweet spot. But at this point with weed, it's still cheaper to buy it on the black market. And I've always held that for most legit users, like regular users of pot, they weren't going to suddenly stop going to their dealer. Yeah. You said that because it became legal. Like you'll just keep buying from the same guy or lady. Uh, You're not going to suddenly go to the cannabis store. Now for the occasional recreational user or the person who's super skittish about the law they'll walk into a storefront they don't like crossing the tracks to go do this exactly but for the guy that normally buys his bag from you know joe blow on the corner or his just his dealer he's why why would he leave that he's gonna pay a higher rate it's like if i could get cigarettes if i got cigarettes tax-free from the guy down the street for years and suddenly cigarettes became legal and now I could go to Vons and buy them, but they're twelve dollars a pack. And your guy's still running his operation, right? Yeah. And, well, and, then, that's and he a would be a fool not to keep undercutting the market. It's a no-brainer. It's illegal I for mean, sure. That but is that's scalping. A no- that's right. I, that is. <laughs> um, it's totally true. Here's a crazy one. This, I mean, I almost had to read this twice because, again, it goes along with what the article's saying. It's actually from the article. Assemblyman Rob Bonta, a Democrat from Oakland. Let me repeat that. This guy is a Democrat. That was shocking. From Oakland. I wasn't prepared for that. Oh, being, but, but here's what you're Go really ahead. not going to be prepared for what he said. He recognized the problem. Um, Ay, Dios mío. Yeah. So businesses operating in the illicit marketplace were competing successfully with legal shops, to your point. And in an interview with the CBS station in Sacramento, uh, he announced he was working with the state treasurer to mm. pass a bill to reduce state marijuana, reduce the state marijuana sales tax to 11%. Here's the quote. Again, Rob Bonta, a Democrat from Oakland, said the following, quote, if you have one entity paying 15%, you'll get a lot less money than if you have 10 entities paying 11%. That's just genius. No, duh, buddy. Wow. Genius what on a high the, level. What in the world do you think goes on when you reduce taxation on people? It's like, is the light bulb literally just going on for you about this whole notion? And it goes back to the Laffer curve and what economists say. And I'd be the first to say it's very difficult to, to dial in with preciseness to get to this point. But it's like they say, look, optimally, you just keep reducing taxes until your revenue stops going up and starts to go down. At that point, boom, you have found your point. That is the maximum revenue generation, but we probably aren't there 
it probably could still be reduced from where it is. Right. And, and the, part, tax, the tax rates. And part of the reason why I say like that strategy would work is because it's very difficult to conduct an AB test with tax. Bingo. Right. That, that's because right. That's right. You can't just, ta- you can't tax one person one way and not, you know, tax somebody else the other way. Exactly. Well, we're, we're, we're talking about the black market and the ability at, at some point. Well, look at guns. Well, I mean, at some point, I, people will not want to pay taxes if they, if they feel that they can no longer, you know, uh, avoid the government. You know, you have to register with the government for a business license and pay your taxes and whatnot. So you obviously, you obviously have employees. So can you have employees without reporting into the government for Social Security and Medicare and all those wonderful programs that we have? Can they avoid working, earning a salary, and not paying taxes, even though taxes are increasing over and over and over again? For whatever reasons. Well, we do it with guns, right? Let's just keep adding a tax. And then we say, okay, but that tax is going to go help some part of the problem. Um, but it doesn't stop people from getting guns illegally. That's right. And so so what you're going to do, right, what they find, it's the same with cigarettes like you just mentioned. All you're going to do is drive people out of the the uh, white marketplace, right, right, to actually get these things, it, which which some Democrats have the honesty and the wherewithal to admit and say, yes, we're actually raising taxes on these things because we want less of them. Oh, yeah. They just make them price prohibitive. Correct. And I think that's been the plan for cigarettes for Ex- forever. Totally. We'll just keep making them more expensive and people will naturally not be able to afford them. Even though it's an addiction and you're probably just driving people into the poorhouse because oh, they're no. not going to suddenly just stop smoking. No question. Right? So... It's a com- complete, incredibly, just like the lottery, an incredibly regressive Correct. tax. It, it, it affects a lot of people in very negative ways. Correct. In, in a part of the um, socioeconomic spectrum that you, that the liberals uh, purport to want just to. Just like the lottery. That's right. The it's lottery exactly. affects poor people. Because exactly. poor people shouldn't be spending money on a lottery ticket, but they're trying to get rich. It's an incredible. Right. And they're spending what money they do have on a, a stupid lottery. Where it's an incredibly regressive. Mm-hmm. That's right. So yeah. I thought. I mean, the, I'm sorry, Bob. No, one another issue is, of course, you know, parking money, because obviously these, oh, for sure, these legal dispensaries have a problem with parking their money and putting it into banks, and in and of itself, that opens it up itself to a black market of not reporting its own taxes. You know, scratch out a couple of numbers and say, oh, we only sold so many units today. Therefore, we only raised this much income. What do I do with the money? Well, right. And I have an answer to that, which is House Re- uh, Resolution Bill number 1595, the Safe Banking Act. That's right. The state bank. That's what's... Well, is that, this is, is it, federally. I'm sorry. Okay. This Because the state bank, I think California is going to go for, for sure. I think they're going to go for it. But federally, they're introducing this. It's a Democrat who's introducing this. Um, it may or may not pass. It's being brought up for a vote pretty soon. Uh, I doubt it will, but you never know. It might go to the Senate, and the Senate will probably bring it down. But again, it's basically uh, limiting. It's specifically saying people who buy and sell in cannabis industry can now put their money in a bank somewhere without it being seized. So they're kind of backdooring the whole you can do an illegal transaction, but 
It's only because of this law that you can do that. Right. And back to the whole state bank. Mm-hmm. That scares the hell out of me. Oh. I mean, given these guys... It's unbelievably I mean, we just talked scary. about how Look they how just... the DMV is ran. It's unbelievably scary. I, and these people are going to be safeguarding our money? I mean, they just sold $600 million for a bullet train that's not going anywhere and being built. And then we want to give them more ability to lend money and borrow money. The interest rate in that checking account would have to be so high to garner any of my money. It It's at least double digits. So, right. And, and that begs the question of how is it not... Um, Black mailable. I, oh, exactly. Right? Because the state then becomes your only avenue to do this, John. Am I so beholden to the state? You're beholden wow. to all their regulations Give and everything me. they want to do, and your no interest rate. And Give me a break. Right? Because they have a monopoly on where you can put your money in. It's nuts. Unbelievable. All right. Next one. Okay. We'll um, try to go through this one at a decent clip. But... Um, I found an article called Solving California's Housing Crisis Demands Action. These steps will help. The last part it of that demands is demands action. Action, that, that, action now. The last part of that's debatable. Yeah. I'm not sure how much this will help, but the crowd likes action. Yes, they do. What I thought I'd do is use this. It's, this comes from Cal Matters on March 27th. What I thought I'd do is use this as a just kind of a summary article for where we're at. Everyone's always talking about housing here in California, the issues, the problems, the lack of supply. This article did a nice job of kind of aggregating all of the assembly bills, Senate bills that are currently under consideration. We'll just kind of go through them. There's six of them here and uh, get some just quick general reactions. Yay, nay. Does this have a shot at all of doing anything? Probably not, but here we go. Senate bill 50, Scott Weiner. Weiner, Weiner, a San Fran the devil. A San, I prefer Weiner. Okay, a San Fran Dem. Shocker. It will significantly boost housing and apartment development in and around major transit hubs and employers. We've talked about this one before, right? The incentives if you if you build in these certain zones next to mass transit, etc., you get certain specialties. Right. Um, pr- it provides developers with a density bonus and other incentives or concessions. This. People are thinking this will appeal to millennials who work who like to work in dense, diverse urban villages. Thoughts? Yay, nay, probably not. You know, dense whenever I hear these yeah. like builder incentives and stuff, I live in a housing track, yeah. and by law they had to build so many ADA oh, yes. uh, right. homes. That's right. But they weren't required to sell them to ADA people. Shocker. So there's people in the development that don't have any disabilities that have an ADA compliant home. Like super wide hallways and stuff. Yeah, and, and like super low counters. And they weren't told that until they moved in and oh were like, goodness. this seems kind of funky. Why 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 did we fall short there? If you're gonna require them to build ADA homes, you should also require them to then sell them to ADA people. Sounds like a genius move, the kind that California is known for. Well we're we're pricing the market. We're saying, hey, I mean, we did play that Milton Friedman. Yeah, which I know. got another one for this topic. We're right. saying, let's build it to this standard. We're going to build to a standard, but then you have to operate at a loss. Right, because Where are cares? they going to recoup the money from? And guess who gets squeezed in the middle? They have to recoup the money from rich people. You charge more on one end of the spectrum. The uh, sixty-four thousand homes so in California that you can sixty-four thousand people dropping by the day subsidize the lower end of the spectrum, whereas the middle gets squeezed out, and you 
tend to find a lot of these people cannot seem to find housing anymore or they're paying a huge amount of their paycheck in which to buy or rent a home. Guess what? They're finding out that they're either doing extraordinary measures to live someplace or they're ending up in the streets themselves. Next one, Assembly Bill 1568, Kevin McCarthy, not McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, a Sacramento Democrat. It would hold local governments accountable. I already like it. Like Huntington Beach. Sweet. By withholding, damn time. by withholding gas tax revenue if counties do not meet home building benchmarks verified by the California Department of Housing and Community Development. So it's basically, yeah, coercion, blackmail. You do what we say or you don't get the money from the tax revenues that you're supposed to get anyways. Sounds like it'll work. Good plan. You know, some places are more desirable than others. Shocker. Right? And so you take... What about places where there's just nowhere to build? I mean, some places just don't have great right. geography to build. You know, right. um, Santa Barbara's like that. There's nowhere really to build in Santa Barbara. You know, I mean, it's kind of built out, the the city of. So then you're going to say Santa Barbara County, you're going to have to then push on all these other areas in your right. county to build homes so that you meet the requisite number so you can get your money. Yep, sounds good. They're going to have to live, learn to live without that money, and they're going to have to make cuts. It's a joke. It, it's We're pushing them too far. It's the whole tax deal. Number three. AB, de, AB 1074, Tyler Deep, an Orange County Republican. It would allow bonds to provide loans to homeowners to construct accessory dwelling units that will help to address California's dire needs so for guest houses. houses. Right, guest houses, loans to do guest houses, loans from the government. Can't be bad there. Good stuff. AB 1590, Bianco Rubio, Baldwin Park Dem. It would create a first-time homebuyer's tax credit. I always love when Dems float the idea of a tax credit for something because you're admitting taxation is the barrier to doing things. Right. Funny. SB 509. uh, You know what's funny, though? Yeah. It's not going to be a property tax credit. Oh no! Right, it'll oh, be no. it'll be a tax credit for your federal oh, taxes. Of, oh, of course, <laughs> right? oh, of course, so. of course. Um, SB five hundred nine would establish a housing a housing crisis awareness program. Mm, oh my programs. goodness! We were unaware <laughs> of it up until now, and this is coming through the issuance of specialty license plates by the DMV. The plate would generate revenue for affordable housing programs throughout the state. Was it like a little man-made tent on the street? I guess. Instead of the California coast one you can get. So awesome. Last. Okay. Okay. AB 1020 from Jacqui Irwin. Probably not saying that right. A Thousand Oaks Democrat. It would establish a, a cabinet level secretary of housing. A czar. Yes. <laughs> to oversee all housing related initiatives and activities throughout California. You These know last what? We two, need more bureaucracy yeah, right. here, The last people. two are total failures on arrival. We need an awareness program, and then we need a housing czar. According to the McKinsey Global Institute report, this state needs three and a half million more homes by 2025. That's not going to happen. In oh, this state, we got to get rid of diesel trucks, man. That's not even we're close. Priority. We're currently doing an average of eighty-five thousand homes a year. Yeah, we're so not, we're not going to make over it. the last past. <laughs> so what years. you're saying is we're going to be short. So you're saying there's a chance, <laughs> just a little bit. If you guys don't mind, again, I'm kind of on a Milton Friedman kick, as yeah. I always am. 
he this is about a clip's about a minute and a half back in the 60s maybe early 70s he was going around to universities giving speeches and he had Q&A sessions after each of the speeches and this is a question that he got about housing and i think it's so appropriate and it's some 40 years later and his answer uh, more than 40 years later and his answer to me is just totally spot on fly it. what specific policies you propose which would lead to adequate housing for all the poor? Well, in the first place, you know, these are words that really have no clear meaning. Adequate housing for all the poor. Those are not definable words. What's adequate? What we now consider inadequate would have been considered a palace 150 years ago. It would be considered a palace abroad. I don't know if you all know the story about the, uh, about the movie that was made out of John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath. And it was shown during the war, or I think shortly thereafter, but I think during the war in the Soviet Union. And it had to be withdrawn because the people were so excited and interested about the quality of the clothes and shoes that the Okies going out west were wearing. <laughs> it backfired. So adequate, poor, the average, the, the, the income which we now use in this country as a governmental standard to separate the poor from the not poor is higher than the average income of all the people in the Soviet Union. It's decidedly higher than the average income of most of the people in the world. These are not absolute standards, they're relative. So you have to ask a very different kind of question. What kind of system will give the widest range of people the greatest opportunity to make the most out of themselves? out of their own capacities, their own resources. What are the plans for doing that? I don't, I'm not going to try to have a program which will give adequate housing to the poor. I want to have a system under which individuals can, can have as much opportunity as possible to develop themselves and in which other people can have as much opportunity as they, possible to help other people. And I, would, I, I say that system would be a system of essentially free enterprise, private enterprise capitalism, with a, with a very limited government. And in that system, you have in fact achieved higher standards of housing than you have through other methods. Yeah. I mean, obviously I don't find any fault with his explanation, but I think, it was, I think it's an interesting point to be reminded of that these are all relatives, right? Um, and obviously you want to maximize the, the, the amount of good for the most people and that's where this whole debate lies is do you do it through the edict of a government program or do you do it and watch it naturally occur through right. giving the most freedom to the most people? Well, and I love this point of it's not about housing for the homeless. It's about housing for everybody. Right. And if you develop a system that works for everybody, right. then you'll, by virtue, solve the homeless part. There's so. a couple of obstacles that I'd like to highlight that cause our housing problem in general. Um Tenant relocation payments. You familiar with this? Some of them probably aren't. Explain it. Louis owns two homes. He lives in one. He rents the other one out. Okay. He decides he wants to live in the other one. So the renters have to go. That causes a tenant relocation payment. In Oakland, it costs between $6,500 and $9,875, depending on the type of the unit. Over in San Francisco, 
it can cost up to nineteen thousand eight ninety seven and fifteen cents. Jeez. It used to be as high as fifty thousand dollars. But it went to the Supreme Court and they said that's a Fifth Amendment issue. It's a takings clause. That's unjust. Mm. But for some reason the capping that at just under twenty thousand dollars is A okay. It's quite a it's quite an issue. And there's other there's other things that we can do. Obviously, one is the permitting process. Getting a permit to build a house anywhere in the state is utterly ridiculous. If you wanted to do it on your own, building from scratch, from nothing but dirt, it, good luck to you. This is why all the building is done by big developers. They buy big swaths of land, they have a master plan, and they take it to the city council, the right, county. They have the resources to pull they it off. Have, they have the resources to pull it off because also it takes huge amounts of time. It takes up to two, three years, depending on whatever stupid laws they got there. Another one, uh, impact fees. Impact fees. We're going to go somewhere yeah. between twelve and seventy-five thousand dollars per multifamily house. However, you uh, you impact the environment, you must then pay, or you got to perform certain actions to. And where do these fees go? Oh, exactly. they... the abyss. That's always the question. Uh, buy right development, uh, letting developers get over the counter approval for their permits. You know, we talk about, you know, how hard it is to start a business. It's hard to oh, start. Oh, no, they have to submit plans for review, and there's a whole thing to it. And then, I mean, I just went through this just the other night. My grandmother's place sits on a lot right next to a lumber yard. The lumber yard sold to a developer. It actually sold quite a while ago, but the the deal is pending. It was pending the review of the city council, which just happened the last the other night. A lot of people were there complaining about how big this development is going to be. It's going to be 76 units. And I went, you don't live here. You don't live there. My grandmother lives there. Right. She lives next to a lumber yard. She is more than willing to let it go. Right. And in place of an apartment unit, it's okay to build houses. And they're fantastic houses. They're going to be all green and wonderful with solar panels and all the bit. But those people don't live there, and nor should they care that they're building this unit. Because in the end, once it's built, they're not going to care anyway. Right. No, I totally agree with that. I can't wait to see these new apartment buildings. It'll be great. Yeah. You ready to debut the, the new game, John? Let's give it a shot here. So... For the listeners, we're kind of tweaking the uh, the tweeting section. And what we're going to do is we're going to play a Name That Tweeter game. So I'm going to be reading, at least for this episode, I'm going to be reading tweets. And it's between Bobby and Louie, a little competition, three tweets. I got to figure out which twit it is. And it's and you're, the only help you get is they are all libs. Okay. All libs. All prominent, you know, notable, nameable, from the beltway, current or former libs. I'm so okay. bad at these games. You're going to win, Louis. Here we go. Quote, I'm so happy to see candidates winning the right to use campaign funds for child care. We need more moms in office. 
End quote. Oh, oh dang. I'm going to go with Kamala. No. And we'll go back and forth, I figure. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. No. Mm. Uh, AOC? I, yeah, we'll I do maximum so. three in it. <clears throat> Hillary. The uh, mom the mom angle. I didn't see the mom angle coming from her, it. though. I didn't see it, man. <laughs> That's how bad she is. All right. Off to a good start. Okay. Now, this one, I will say that this one kind of relates to the person a little bit, at least in their past. The USGAO warned that credit reporting agencies like Equifax pose higher risks to consumers because of the way they keep and use consumers' private info. The FTC needs stronger authority to enforce the law and more tools to crack down on consumer data abuses. Cory Booker? No. Same body. Adam Schiffless? I don't know. Elizabeth Warren. Um, she oh. used to be the, the head of the uh, of the credit the CFTC. I, I think my problem is so many of them sound the same. I, yes. And Bobby made that, that point. We, this is still in development. We may need to be tweaking this game a little bit. Or but, answer choices. <laughs> I like that. Here we go. Let's try this one then. Using answer choices. Trump and DeVos want to slash education spending and defund the Special Olympics after giving tax breaks to the top 1%. Unbelievable. When we, when we are in the White House, we will get our national priorities straight. The options, Nancy Pelosi, Bernie Sanders, or Chuck Schumer? I'm going to go Bernie. Bobby. Yeah. Bobby has a point. I, the unbelievable part. From that, that was not Bernie to you? That part was, was Bernie. Bernie. Okay. Yeah. Bernie yeah. Sanders. Democrats are introducing legislation to keep America in the Paris Agreement and force the Trump admin to take real action to curb carbon emissions. Hashtag climate action now. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Nancy Pelosi. Elizabeth Warren. No. I don't know. Oh, Nancy? Nancy Pelosi. She mm. uses hashtags? Hmm. Apparently. Mm. Or her staff does, that we should does, say. Yeah. We'll have right? to tweak this. Maybe keep but score. I like the idea of um, of giving answer choices. Yeah. It narrows it down. We would need that. Yeah, the problem no, no, is so many of the talking points. It's so talking true. point. <laughs> it's so true. Candidate. And it's just... Especially Insert the candidate, NPC, you know, we're getting into the same this, thing. We're getting into the election season now where they're just all going to be spewing the same, you know, copy-paste. Exactly. So. I won't release my plan until this guy releases his plan so that they don't match... Totally. By 99%. God forbid you have your own personal opinion on something. Totally. No, not allowed. Establishment doesn't allow it. Thanks for listening. Episode 43 is down. Uh, find us on our website, calistreaming.com. Participate in the discussion. Download, read the show notes, read the articles. We referenced everything from. Get us on Facebook. Also download us and subscribe on uh, Apple iTunes and the Google Play Store. And in case you're a brand new listener, Bobby's going to tell you what you need to do. Keep signing those checks to the government. Oh, wait, no. Let's all burn it all down.